0: What is up, everybody? Welcome into a TGIF edition of Texans All Access, and what a big weekend it is. Welcome in. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And boy, do we have a lot to do tonight. We're going to talk to the head ball coach. We're going to talk to the offensive line coach. We're going to talk to a starting linebacker. We're going to have our picks and predictions. We're going to talk to the man calling TV play by play for TV. We're gonna have all of that on the show, and we're also going to relive the all 11 offensive plays of the year for the Texans to this point. I'll explain that a little bit later, but I do a show every Tuesday called Texans Matchup. and these are the last two, as we know, last two guaranteed shows. So I wanted to make sure I celebrated the offense and defensive plays of the year and I also have a special section on Tuesday night for the defensive plays and special teams, but today it's offense, so we'll have that a little bit later in the show. It's going to be a blast. Mark and I are going to uh, link up and talk about this one a little bit as well, but we've got to kick it off with the head coach of your Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryans. What a big one this is on Sunday. They're all big. It's just which one is next. Well, this one is next, and D'Amico caught up with Mark to talk about it.
1: All right, Coach, here we go with Texans-Titans Part 2, and I know you've looked at the first game, but so many or at least enough of the names have changed and different aspects come into play. What do you make of moving the ball against this Titans defense? It wasn't easy last time, but now you have C.J. back. How is that different for you?
2: Yeah, not much different. I think we ran the ball well in that game. We have to run the ball well again. I think that's where it all starts. Right, Our offensive line has done a great job over the past couple weeks of creating displacement up front. Now, Motor... DP, we just have to get them going. And if we can run the ball, I think it helps our offense tremendously.
1: How closely do you watch the other teams' injury reports? Certain guys in, certain guys out. How that might affect matchups?
2: Right, you, you, we get those reports. I get updates like every day on who practiced, who didn't practice, and their game status. So you try to look at those things, but it's so unpredictable. You don't know statuses change each and every day. We just you know kind of bank on what our scouts and what they tell us. Hey, we predict that this guy is going to play, and we plan accordingly. Not a silver lining,
1: but maybe a hidden benefit of having so many injuries where you have different players stepping up. How does that help you in practice, having so many guys who have gotten actual game reps?
2: A lot of our guys have a lot of experience. All of our guys have played in games, played meaningful time in games, so guys understand what it takes. They understand what it takes to win games, understand what it takes to perform well at their position. So all of that experience, right, We needed to show up at this moment in a really big game for us. We needed to show up at every level.
1: We know what you did with Derrick Henry last time, and he came back last week, had a much better game against the Seattle Seahawks. So here we go again with Derrick Henry part two. What about (laughs) what your defense faces?
2: Right. We can throw out the first game. What Mm -hmm. happened with Derrick? And we know that they're going to lean heavy, right, especially – based on the results of what happened the first time, you think got to know that they're going to come in, they're going to try to establish the run even more so, right, and probably try to force feed Derek as much as possible. So, again, defensively, we have to do a great job of stopping the run. Our defensive line, they're the key, right? If they play well up front, if they knock back, reset the line of scrimmage, and make the running back have to check his feet, now we have a chance to play really good in the run again. And you
1: faced Will Levis last time, but you have that rookie unpredictability factor going for him, right? Yeah, for
2: sure. You know, Levis is going in they're trying to get him more reps, right, valuable reps coming into it. And they'll try to change some things up schematically, right, to, to help him out. But I think I see them getting him on the edge more with more boot, bootlegs, all right, more play action passing games. So we just have to create as much pressure right, as we can. We got a lot of good pressure last time versus them. We know they're going to be prepared for our rush, so we just have to find ways, different ways, different people, right, to get after them up front.
1: Three of your safeties weren't here when the season began, but at least they've played in the league before and they played for you a little bit. Now you have Kareem into the mix. How does all that work out of the back end? Yeah, a lot
2: of moving parts, unfortunately, in the back end, but it also helps when you got guys who have experience. Guys, you know, they played a lot of football, and that's the thing I always lean on at this time. Guys who have that experience, they've seen it all before. Right. It's just a matter of getting the communication down and making sure everybody's on the same page, but these guys seen a lot of ball, played a lot of ball, and made a ton of plays in their careers, and that's what we're expecting them to do on Sunday.
1: All right, One more. Every week, it seems like the magnitude increases, and this week, it's certainly at an all-time high relative to the rest of the season, and the guys got to feel that, right? Have you sensed that in practice getting ready for this one?
2: Yeah, our guys have been dialed in. They understand how big this game is for us. They understand you know, the position this game put us in. In and we have to get this one. As a competitor, how would you want it, right? You have to win this game to have your chance to get in. Our guys understand and they're ready for the challenge.
1: Coach, thanks a lot. All Good
2: right. luck. Thanks, Mark.
0: No, thank you, D'Amico. Appreciate you being here on the show as always. Now, we're also joined in this opening segment by offensive line coach Chris strausser We had a great time talking with the coach. There's been so much change and so much to talk about. And we did that with coach earlier today
1: here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio with us is Texans offensive line coach Chris Strasser coach great to see you how you doing I'm doing well thank you great great to be here another big assignment this week taking on the Tennessee Titans let's just start here though with all the different combinations you've had to work with this year what's that like to try to get everybody playing as one we always talk about five fingers in the glove with the offensive line you've had
3: a lot of fingers move around in that glove what's that like to coach Yeah, definitely. There's some challenges that go along with that. Um, I think, you know, at this point in the season, we've had so much of that that everybody really understands the next man up mentality and is ready to roll. And most of the guys that are getting plugged back in there are guys that have had reps at some point this season. So, um, you know, there's some challenges that go along with it. But um, it really has been kind of, um, you know, standard operating procedure this year.
0: Coach, the nature of your guys' job is to be as physical as possible. But when you get to week 17, week 18, where we are now, their bodies are so beat up. How do you kind of manage that aspect of it? Like, we know we're going to have this guy, but, man, we know he's beat up. How do you kind of handle those things at the end of the year? Yeah, I've got a tremendous
3: amount of respect for just what our guys do every week and how they find a way to get themselves prepared for game time. And so part of that is us being smart and managing them and know what reps they need to get with shoulder pads on or whatever the case may be. And, you know, you're hoping that at this point in the year you have enough banked reps with stuff that, you know, even if you just do it full speed without pads on, you can get something out of it right there. But it is a good challenge. And to me, that's, you know, one of the ways at this time of the year you can separate yourselves is still play physical.
1: Offensive line coach Chris Strasser with us on Texans Radio. Let's get to the center position because this has been an odyssey, right? When you get from training camp and we see Scotty Quisenberry out there, and that feels like a long time ago when Mm Scotty was out there with the ones at camp. And I know things – Might have changed after that, but he got hurt. And here we are with Michael Dieter, who has some experience. What about the flow of that position? Because obviously, you've been productive as an offense with a lot of different parts there at
3: center. I say the biggest thing is, you know, all four of those guys that have played center, Juice Scruggs included, although for him it was just preseason, you know, have really done a nice job leading the unit, which is part of the assignment for the center, as you know, probably everybody knows. And so not only have they each you know done their part of playing good football, but they've each taken charge and um, been ready to roll.
0: Coach, you mentioned Juice. He's a rookie, getting, his, getting thrown into the fire his first game, I, I, Jaguars game, I think it was, um, where he's got to jump in. He's jumping in at guard. Whereas at Penn State, he played at center. And I know center guard, a lot of times, they, they, there can be guys that can play both, and then there's some that can play just one or the other, but what are your thoughts on how Juice has progressed uh, through this, basically, last half of the season?
3: Yeah, I think it's been a great learning experience for him. There's definitely been rookie moments out there that have shown up on tape, but the nice thing about Juice is his approach to the game and how he shows up on game day ready to play with physicality yep. and, and play fast and take you know advantage of his athleticism, yep. and so there's been plenty of mistakes, but overall, he's played really well. Yep.
1: I know George Fant recovering from an injury coach, but what a find he's been, really, because he wasn't with you in the offseason. He got with you in training camp and then ends up playing so many snaps at right tackle. What has he provided for you at that spot?
3: Yeah, George has been tremendous, you know, just his his uh, experience that he's had up to this point in his career, his competitiveness, you know, his, um, his length, his ability, so many things he brings to the table. And he's done a tremendous job. And he's a guy that's body is really you know fairly banged up and has been since he's been here and really works um, tremendously hard every week to get himself ready to go on Sundays. Coach, you
0: got the Titans again two weeks after the fact. So in, prep, in preparation for the Titans, how much do you rely on what you banked before the week 15 game as you go into the week 17 game? You didn't see Simmons, you won't see Simmons. You may be
3: prepared for Tart. Well, now he's a Texan. How
0: does the preparation carry over much two weeks after playing the
3: Titans? I think definitely there is carryover in the preparation, and I think for the guys, you don't feel like you're totally starting at uh, ground zero in terms of the Wednesday prep, which, it, which you're starting to show, guys. But um, we, you know, we approach it like it's a brand new week and like yep. we haven't played them before, and right. we assume we haven't played them before. And um, you know, they got a few different pieces in there. Although it's two weeks later, we got a few different pieces in there, and so sure. really kind of from scratch. Yep. What about the physical
1: versus the mental? I know it's a combination when you're making the running game work. But how important, or can you just describe the importance of you know, being in the right place at the right time, getting the right guy, and it's not just bulldozing people over, which a lot of the layman fans think. Right. It's a whole lot
3: more than that. Well, coach. I wish it was that simple. I think we'd be uh, <laughs> we'd be a little bit further ahead if it was if that's all there was to it. But you know, it's a, it's a tough scheme, and there's a lot of stuff um, for us to really kind of work our way through, and sometimes learning on game reps is, is where we're at on a few things. And so mm. it's been a very successful scheme in the NFL. Um, I think there's been a lot of teams at their first season in it have really had to work through some of the lumps of learning it, and so. So um, what I do think is probably the hardest part about the scheme is the mental.
0: Coach, in some of the wins you've had this year, you've had outstanding rushing performances. Uh, your motor had a couple of one at Cincinnati, one at Tennessee. But when you've been able to run the ball effectively, what's been the biggest key for that amongst your guys in getting you know past 100 yards and just having a really good running performance? What's been the key in those ball, particular ball games? I
3: think the biggest thing for us is just to stay um, stay on rhythm. And so when we get ourselves in situations where it's a penalty and now we're back and it's second and 20, really yeah. hard to run the ball. You know, yeah. for us, if we can get 30 carries a game, we know it's going to be a good game for us on offense. And so you know, to do things to get in our own way and, and keep us out of those situations makes it a big challenge. Yeah. The guys seem very
1: close, but the offensive line should be close, right? So what's it like in the room with the players? I know there's a lot of work being done here, but there's also some joking around camaraderie.
3: What is that like for you as a coach to see how they interact with each other? It's been great. You know, it's been a different unit than uh, others that I've coached, but, you know, a lot of really good guys in that room. Um, What's nice is we have six rookies, and so they take advantage of giving (laughs) the rookies a hard time. And and, uh, so that's plenty of (laughs) entertainment on a daily basis. You know, to have those guys getting having a little fun. But um, it's a great group of guys. You know, we all care so much, you know, uh, work so hard at this thing. If we don't find ways to have a little fun, it can be miserable.
0: Coach, Cole Popovich has been part of your
3: offensive line group. What has he meant to the group as well, just being kind of your right-hand man with the offensive line? Yeah, tremendous. He's he's um, he's a guy that is is um, very, very capable of being an elite offensive line coach in the NFL, was one at one point, and I'm sure we'll get back to that very soon. He's been a tremendous value for us. Yep.
1: Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Best of luck. Thank you. We appreciate the coaches jumping
0: on. We've had coordinators. We've had assistant coaches, position coaches. Uh, we've had a little bit of everything. We really appreciate them stepping in studio and having a good time with us, and thank you very much. All right, it's time to get a little bit of the players in sight as well. So, head coach, assistant coach, starting linebacker Christian Harris. Drew Doherty caught up with him to talk ball. His Alabama Crimson Tide is playing on Monday, but this Crimson Tider has got to be ready to go on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, as he was last time against Tennessee Titans. Man, he and Derrick Henry they locked horns a few times, and Christian Harris reminded him early in that game, I'm going to be here all day, and he was. They held Henry to nine yards. I'm sure that will come up right here with Drew Doherty and Christian Harris.
4: Linebacker Christian Harris joins us now. Christian, Titans on deck. Texans mm-hmm. got two big ones here with Tennessee and then at Indianapolis. This run defense been excellent this season.
5: How come? Why has it been so good? I think the attention to detail. The coaching obviously you know has a major impact on it. Coach D'Amico, Coach Burke. Well, as well as uh, position coaches, Coach Kiff and everybody, uh, just like, you know, focusing on the attention to detail. You know, the walkthroughs, everything that we're doing, being like deliberate with it, translates really well to the game. And, you know, we're able to know, you know, what to expect, what we're getting. Guys, you know, trying to be consistent on doing their fits each and every play. So, I mean, I think that's it has been, been really helpful this year.
4: You know, everybody in the, in the NFL has an edge to them. Doesn't matter the position. Edges are different. You certainly have an edge to you. How important is that to have that edge as a linebacker in the NFL?
5: I mean, I think it's major, especially, you know, being my size, like typically going against old linemen they're gonna be 6'5", about 350, you know, 330. So, I mean, there's gonna be some big guys. You kinda gotta, you know, have that lion hearted mentality and, you know, just attack, go hunt. You know, I mean, it helps me a lot for sure.
4: How do you think your experience of now being in your, deep into your second year, how do you think that's maybe sharpened that edge, perhaps?
5: I guess you could say I can focus more on controlled aggression. Understanding again, like, you know, I have a lot of capabilities that God blessed me with, um, mm-hmm. you know, speed and just, you know, naturally like, you know, long limbs and stuff like that. So utilizing my hands and finding different ways to implement that into my game and not always just just trying to run around. Like, you know, you have to thinking, like I said, be deliberate and be detailed. So um, just understanding how to work within that.
4: Yeah, two Sundays ago, you guys shut down the run game of the Tennessee Titans. I think he gave up 39 yards in total. Derrick Henry, he almost had twice as many carries as he did yards. He only had nine on the ground. You were one of the tips of that spear. How do you go about not necessarily replicating that, but trying to get as close to replicating that as, as you could?
5: Uh, I mean, I think it's the same focus every week. I mean, you know, you evaluate the film, and you try and go in there with a plan of, you know, dominating the run game and, you know, making you know a team one-dimensional. It's a great running back that they have in Derrick Henry, and he's had a lot of success. And uh, like I said, I mean, just for us, you know, the main thing is it's doing our job. That we go out there, we see a number running hit. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's just what it is.
4: What's the challenge that their quarterback
5: Will Levis presents? He's a fiery guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you see like the runs that he makes. You know, he's able to extend plays, let alone sit in the pocket as well. You know, make great throws, and you know he does well for the offense. And I think you know a lot of people over there believe in him, have confidence in him, and that does a lot you know for them as well. So that's something for sure we're going to have to prepare for. What
4: do you think about as a linebacker when you see a quarterback willing to run the way he runs?
5: I like the hit, so it's exciting for sure. But it's kind of cool to, to see a guy you know have confidence and. I guess, you know, at this level, be willing to sit here and take those shots for his team.
4: How much does playing in front of the NRG Stadium crowd one last time in the regular season mm-hmm.
5: get you excited, get you guys as a defense excited? How, how pumped up are you guys to do that? I mean, we're fired up. Like, we're hoping it's going to be packed out and, you know, always having a home field advantage. I mean, it helps every single game, uh, every chance you get, you know, first, second down, especially third down when it gets super loud. You know, you're pumping up the crowd and you get that little tingly feeling in your chest. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's pretty cool, man.
4: And one last thing, it looks like C.J. Stroud is going to go at quarterback. What's that do for you guys as a defense?
5: Like I said, it's the same objective for us every week, but we're for sure 100% excited to see him go out there and, you know, do his thing, you know, and lead them boys. We're standing behind them. We have all the faith in, in the world in them. and are go out there and try and do our job.
4: Christian, it's been great talking with you. Best of luck against the Titans and next week against the Colts and hopefully on into the playoffs. And happy
5: New Year. Yes, sir. Happy New Year. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you, 48, and, of
0: course, Drew Doherty. Coming up next, Mark Vandermeer is going to join me. We're going to go through our keys to the game. We've done this a couple times now. We talk over the keys and talk through the keys. We'll hit on a number of other things, including some of the playoff considerations and who we want to win some of these games on Sunday. We'll do that next on Texans All-Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All-Access from the Hyundai Texans radio studio John Harris alongside Mark Vandermeer, and we're going to get into our keys to the game and a lot else because, well, when Mark and I are talking football, we dance uh, in a lot of different places. Dancing. Yeah, and we dance, well, not with different partners, but we just talk about a lot of different things. So we'll talk about the keys to the game uh, against the Tennessee Titans, but a lot of things that are going on throughout the league as well. So, Mark, I'm just going to throw this right at you right Mm -hmm, away. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Beat the Titans 19-16 in overtime up in Tennessee. We talked about the various keys. Are any of them different from week one matchup? We talked about taking away the runway of Derrick Henry. We talked about getting pressure early on Will Levis and then offensively taking profit, take what they give you, but make sure you're scoring touchdowns at certain points with case Keenum uh, and then protection and seeing if you get a run game. Well, you got a lot of those things to happen to get the win against the Titans. Well, what different has to happen on Sunday. It's going to, there are going to be a lot of personnel changes, but what in your mind has to change amongst the keys to go get a win against Tennessee? Can I answer the question with a question?
1: Okay. You tell me first. Okay. Are they going to be able to run the football similarly? I'm not saying 120 plus out of motor, but I'm saying around the century mark for motor here, Right. success on the ground. Generally speaking, are they going to be able to do that on Sunday? Johnny? The Texans you mean? Yes. I think so. Okay, if they can do that, I feel really good about this game, even if Henry gets close to 100 himself. I really feel good about it because you have C.J. Stroud back. If you're running with motor, that's a little bootleg here and a little Mm -hmm. play action there, and you don't have C.J. having to play drop back. Oh, my gosh, he's under pressure. Right, And he can handle that, but I think I speak for everybody when I say we don't want to see him have to handle so much in this game,
0: right? Yeah, and you got to keep him... Obviously protected, and how you protect them I think ends up being a key in this game. If you can protect those, if you can protect with five against those four, mainly Autry, Key, and Landry, if you can protect those three plus one when they're bringing four with your five, allowing Dalton Schultz to get out into routes, allowing your receivers to work all the routes, allowing Motor to get out in routes,
1: I don't know that there is a way that they stop you. Well, look at it this way. Your leading receiver is Nico Collins. As great as Tank Dell has been for this football team, Nico is the leading receiver. And you have him back and CJ back. Neither guy played in the first matchup. Right. We were on the field all together. You, me, Dre. We were watching Nico warm up. Looked pretty good. But the version of good versus NFL game good, good to go, meaning coming back from an injury, different things. I get it. Played the next week. But he didn't have CJ out there. And you were facing a ferocious Cleveland defense and they are really coming into their a whole other subject right now. I like having CJ and Nico back. And that is an understatement. We all feel good about that. And I think that makes a huge difference in this matchup. Well, here's the other thing I thought
0: about. In fact, I was just on uh, my buddies, Jeff Ketchum and and Chad Hastings uh, on their show house divided uh, on orange bloods. And we're talking a lot about obviously Texas and Washington and talking about, um, the Michigan Alabama game uh, obviously what Bill O'Brien had to say about Jalen Milrow etc and we got to talking about Dalton Schultz because Jeff has Dalton Schultz on his fantasy team and so he said it will give me some insider knowledge you think Dalton's gonna have a good game and of course I said yes but I think because having CJ back with Dalton against the Tennessee Titans secondary that's decimated right now Mm. I mean decimated I look you look around the Texans and you go well that guy's hurt that guy's hurt that guy's hurt when you look at Titans you're like that guy that guy that guy that guy that guy that guy are all on IR or traded or traded (laughs) this guy 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 they're hurt or on the Texans or on the Texans (laughs) Um, there's some pretty impressive numbers at that point so uh, as it pertains to injuries, an impressive, always not, a, not always a good thing. It's amazing to think about what the, ros- the starting roster will be from the Titans, not only two weeks ago, but last year. There's only one defensive starter that started last year against us in Houston that will start against us more than likely on Sunday. That's Roger McCreary. One. That's it. One. How's that draft choice working out? It's okay. it's okay. He's okay. It's okay. He didn't come down with that ball. Ironically, against Dalton Schultz. And so, if your five, protect against their four, or their five. Your five protects against their five. You can get Dalton out in the routes. I think Dalton eats up their safeties. I think C J finds him. I think Dalton could end up having a really, a really solid, really solid ball game. Uh, and hopefully, down in the red zone, he's a guy that you know C J will look up and get some touchdowns and do some things. But it's been a while since we've seen certain groups of players together because Dalton got hurt. I'm trying to remember what game he got hurt because then he missed two games. He missed the Jets and Broncos, but he was back for the Titans. Titans yes, and he was big in the Titans he game. He was in that huge touchdown in the run. Titans game. He was absolutely massive in that Titans game, but CJ didn't have him for the game against the Jets. Yeah. So you're getting some of the band back together. Now, obviously, you're not going to have Tank and To me, Mark... I said it the other day. We were talking about during the game, and we were talking about the the offense against the Browns, and I said I I still feel like the offense hasn't quite figured out what they want to do without Tank Dell and how they replace some of those explosives and what they need to do. And one of the biggest things they're going to have to rely on is CJ's accuracy and CJ's confidence that he doesn't need 10 yards of space to throw a guy the ball that he'll stick a ball in between two defenders five yards apart and hit his guy circled up in zone. Other quarterbacks in the Texans weren't doing that or haven't done that. So C.J. just gives everybody an opportunity. I think the other guy that benefits from C.J. being back is Robert Woods Mm. because Robert's – I've watched him at times during games where he's running his routes, and he just gets the absolute you-know-what beat out of him. Because he's running all those interior routes. He's getting bumped by a linebacker, you know, shoved by a safety, and then he's circling up an open spot, and quarterbacks aren't, aren't looking at him because he's not college open. He's NFL open. He's not college open. Well, CJ's okay with NFL CJ's open. CJ's okay with NFL open, yeah. and that's a big key. So if you get, you get a solid game out of Dalton Schultz, you get more production out of Robert Woods uh, for what we just talked about. I think you've got an opportunity to put
1: some numbers up against the Titans defense. All right. Now, on defense, you're facing Will Levis again. He sat out last week. You knocked him out of the game late against the Titans two weeks ago. Now he's back. And by the way, just in a grand scheme of thing way, what about. The time elapsed between these matchups. It feels like more than two weeks. It feels like it's been a month and it hasn't. It's just been a couple of weeks. As we are speaking, it's less than two weeks ago that you played Tennessee. But NFL time, it just has something different about it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there you were two weeks ago facing Derrick Henry, holding him to a record low performance. And wasn't that marvelous? I don't think that's going to happen again. I think Henry's going to get some yards. I think he's going to get 80 to 100 yards. I think I said on Texans extra points, 70 to 100. I'll stick with that prediction. But I'm okay with that. Johnny, there was a time where we would have put up a banner to hold Derrick Henry to 100. Last year in a victory, Christmas Eve, he had over 120. And we felt really good about it because, as you always point out, 40 plus on one run and the rest of the time you really kept them in check correct they're going to be all over it they're good against the run we all know they struggle against the pass what are they 28th or something 26 28th against the pass right now yeah. i have this ready when i do the actual game broadcast folks but it's not good it's not a good number and we know about the explosive plays and everything but it all starts with derrick henry if yeah. you can slow him down again slow him down Let Will Lev, not let, but have Will Levis try to beat you. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's going to make some plays. He'll make some running plays. He'll make a few throws. He's got DeAndre Hopkins. But by and large, you will get to him. Now, I know that the injury situation on the D-line is not good. But hopefully some help is on the way. Maybe some guys can play. The questionable list is long. But... I think they have enough guys to throw at Derek Henry to at least slow him down and maybe get a pick or two in the secondary off the rookie quarterback. I'd be a lot more worried if this was Ryan Tannehill and they've beaten Ryan Tannehill, but I'd be a lot more concerned about that. I'm glad it's Levis. We'll see how it goes. I'm with you. I think it's going to be Levis. I'll be glad for that because Ryan Tannehill has
0: beaten the Texans 22, 21, 20, 19. So here is your trivia question of the day. You ready for this? I'm ready.
1: Ready? Ready.
0: Who is the last Titans quarterback Mm -hmm. to beat the Texans at NRG Stadium, not named Ryan Tannehill?
1: At NRG Stadium. You got to go. Mariota did not get him here. He did not. So I'm going, Mettenberger did not beat them here. Correct. Jake Locker did not, I don't think. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. We're going way back. Vince Ye- no, it's not Vince. It's Kerry Collins. Wait, nope. who was between Kerry Collins and I'll give Vince? you one hint. The diaper. Oh, Matt Hasselbeck? Matt Hasselbeck.
0: When Janu- was this?
1: January first, twenty twelve. So the end of the twenty eleven season. All right. So that was the game where you didn't need it. And right? you were starting you started Yates, but you played Jake Delone for the bulk of the game. Oh, that's right. So Hasselbeck yes. was the starter for the Titans that day. Mike Munchak was the head coach. Yeah, yeah. Hasselbeck, th- uh, twenty-two
0: of thirty-five, two touchdowns, one hundred and nine rating. It was pretty good. That's Jake... the
1: last quarterback not named Ryan Tannehill to beat as a Titan. The as... Houston Texans How about at NRG that? at NRG. The end of the twenty eleven season. I did my by the numbers. There's yeah. some pretty interesting by the numbers. Okay. How about Rusty Smith the year before that did yeah. not win? Yeah. Vince Young the year before that did. Terry right. Collins the year before that. 13 and 3, but he didn't beat the Texans at NRG Stadium. This is fun. How about that? So, some funny, it's some interesting numbers
0: in this. Here's the number 680. 680. Okay. Derek Henry's total rushing yardage his last three trips to NRG Stadium. Oof. He's had 200 plus yards and two plus rushing touchdowns in his last
1: three times here so here here comes the stat again because the big stat going into the matchup two weeks ago was the last five games over a thousand yards for derrick henry Mm -hmm. against the houston texans no matter where it is right so you threw that ring into the fire with the fairbairn 54 yard field goal and the performance you had against henry good done but now he comes back to nrg where he can summon this stat as a motivator i guess it's his T.Y. Hilton stat is what Over 200 a game against the Texans in each of the last three. And two-plus touchdowns in each one. That's Gosh, what unbelievable. That doesn't even count what he did in 2020. Johnny, is he the same back?
0: No, he's not. He's still but, a good back. But he doesn't have the same offensive line. Think last year. Last year's game, he's running behind Luan and Ben Jones. Aaron Brewer's at guard. It's a much different offensive line. It was a much different offensive line here than it was later in the season. They had Corey Levin playing center. I mean, he's a, he's a career so backup. Ben did not
1: play in the second matchup
0: last year. Ben did not play in the second matchup last year that I remember. And Ben's retired. Yeah, Ben's retired. Okay, you ready for this one? Ready. Since the second contest in 2008, December 14th, 2008, between the Texans and Titans, the Texans have won 18 of the 29 games over over the Titans, regardless of location, 18-11 and 11 overall yeah. record in those 29 games. Yeah. Also, three of those Titans wins came on the last week of the regular season when the Texans were resting starters after winning the AFC South, 2011, 2016, and 2019.
1: Yes. Very How about true. that?
0: So, in games of varsity v. varsity, 18
1: In eight in 26 games the Texans have. Talk about flipping a rivalry. That's where it really turned. It really turned with that last matchup in 2008. Yep. That 13-12 victory. Then you got them week two of 09. And then they won the other game in 09 with Vince Young. And the rest is history. So, yeah, you were able to start getting some things going in the rivalry. Bunch of splits. And then you had some sweeps. And you had Mettenberger. Gosh, what I would love. What I would do for Zach Mettenberger to start this game for the Titans on Sunday (laughs) and have Watt come out of the tunnel and say, you're coming back, I'm coming back too, because you were my favorite quarterback to face. Now, if you hear that as a Titans
0: fan, you're like, okay, that's kind of gross. Yeah. But take out the varsity VJV matchup in 29 at the end of the year. Okay. 29 through 23. Mm -hmm. Margin of victory. 2019, we won by three up there. 2020, we lost by six in overtime, three on the last play of the game. 2021, we won by nine, lost by three. 2022, we lost by seven, won by five. 2023, we won by three in overtime.
1: So, wait, you're telling me the game that the Texans were utterly utterly dominated only in. lost by seven. At home yeah. last year. Only lost by seven. Only lost by seven. And only lost by like seven. Such a beating. It felt like it. Because it felt like did. it, 17-10. They, they beat up the Texans on yep. the D-line yeah, with Jeffrey absolutely. Simmons and friends. They were all over it.
0: So that's eight games minus the varsity JV game in 2019 that was here where Henry ran for 200-plus. That got them in the playoffs. They eventually went to the AFC Championship game that year. Yeah, But that's six, seven, eight. That's eight games since 2019. All within nine points. The largest margin of victory is nine points, and the Texans had that in the rain game of 2021 in Nashville. Oh, my gosh. Crazy this stuff. This is a weird rivalry. It is it's a...
1: really been weird lately. It very, is... very much so lately. Well, the amount of games where you don't need the game and stuff like that, and then yeah. one team's having a horrible season, but one team's having a good season. The 2020 sweep by the Titans was so bizarre because you had the overtime win mm-hmm. up there, yeah. and you had that... Let's go for two and put the game away, but Simmons knocks the pass down, and the Titans drive right down the field, and then they put Derrick Henry back in the game in overtime, it's over. That was awful, very difficult to take that. Uh, There have been so many, but this year, I think it's really interesting. That's why I never put anything in the W column automatically, especially this week, but even if the Texans were, you know, they had Dell. Total full strength here, Johnny. I would still be sweating it out because anything can happen. Absolutely. Look at last year. They were desperate, the Titans were, for a victory to stop their losing streak. And the Texans come limping in and get the win. The year before, Tyrod Taylor comes back into the starting lineup. Somehow runs for two touchdowns. You walk out of there with a victory. Weird things happen in this series, and that's why I'm really nervous about Sunday. You lose this one. You need a lot of help and a victory over the Colts to get in. It's okay. probably not going to happen if you lose this game. It's not an elimination game, but it's very close. Yeah, v- very much so. So
0: with that being said, we obviously want the Texans to win. There's no yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. We've got to figure out who we're rooting for in some other key ball games. Okay. Okay? So let's hit a few of those as right. we're going through there. I'm going to predict all these games a little bit later, but right. who are we rooting for? Mm-hmm. Baltimore, I'm sorry. Miami travels to Baltimore. Miami's 11 and 4. Mm-hmm. Baltimore's 12 and 3. A win by the Ravens gives them the number 1 seed. It I think they haven't quite clinched yet. Right? Because they could lose twice and Cleveland could could jump in there. There's a way for Cleveland to be the number one seed. There's a way yeah. There's a way in for I Cleveland. I think it's
1: conference record or something. Yeah, they got there's it a over way in on them. Let there's a way this. in for them to be the
0: number one seed, It, it which would be, be
1: I think it would be division record if that's the case. But anyway, go on. I think so. So Miami at Baltimore, mm-hmm. who do we want to win?
0: Keeping in mind not only our opinions of who we want to win, but how it plays out for the Texans. I'll go ahead and start. I I would like to see. I'd actually like to see Miami win this. Yeah. Because I want Baltimore to be playing in its final week, and that's against Pittsburgh. Baltimore's got both Miami and Pittsburgh at home to close the year. Baltimore should win both, at a minimum split. I see. And then we go from there. But I want Miami to win. Because I feel like Miami Miami's got a shot of being the number one seed as well. Right. I just don't think Miami's gonna do it.
1: But I'm I'm cheering for Miami in this one against Baltimore. I think it's a great plan you have there. Have the Dolphins knock off the Ravens. Now, how does this affect the Bills who you would like to see lose twice? Yes. Down the stretch here. They're nine and six right now. They go nine and eight as I check I don't know about common opponents. I check the conference record here. Yeah. They will have a worse one yes. than the Houston Texans. Even if the te- so if they lose twice, they'll go five and seven in the conference. Texans go one and one, they're six and six. Yeah. And that would break a tie with them.
0: So Buffalo takes on New England. We obviously <sighs>
1: hate rooting for the Patriots under we any circumstances. hate circumstance. it, but we have to. We have to have Which the Patriots. Which is harder to root for the Patriots in a game or the Cowboys in a game? It's equally difficult, I feel. I feel like it's harder to root for the Patriots. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I like Dak. I
0: always have liked Dak. People have listened for a while, they know I like Dak. I. I like seeing the Cowboys lose, but in this situation, I want I want the page- I want Bailey Zappi to turn into Tom freaking Brady.
1: All right. So just make it happen. The Cowboys winning in the regular season almost just fattens up the goose yeah. for the playoff feast by the opponent, because under no circumstances will I ever root for the Cowboys to advance in the postseason. Correct. Just I agree with that. At that point, you're all NFC. It's not helping right. the Texans I at I agree. All, whatever. I'm with so you. I'm good with, with it. So I, I agree with what you just said. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cincinnati goes to Kansas City.
0: I want Cincinnati out of the mix. I really do. I want yeah. them out. So Cincinnati losing to Kansas City, uh, I think would end up being a good thing. So I'm going. I'm
1: cheering. I, I am a Swifty on Sunday for Kansas City. What happens to the to the nine and eight booyah base if oh, somehow Kansas City loses twice? Oh, Kansas City's out and it- the Bengals split. And you got nine and eight, nine and eight. I mean, you you could have like, how many nine and eight possibilities are there? there? Is a, there's a path. Like I said, there's a
0: path for Cleveland to be number one seed. There's a path for the Chiefs to get bounced from the playoffs altogether.
1: That's hard not to root for, but we need help here for yeah. ourselves. Now,
0: Kansas City's got Cincinnati
1: at home, and then they go and take on the Chargers. But what's weird about this weekend is if the Texans lose on Sunday and the Colts and Jags both win, the Texans are still not eliminated Unless, Unless the Bills win right. or Pittsburgh and Cincy both lose. Is that it? I
0: think that's There's what it is. There's some kind
1: of tiebreaker weirdness going
0: on there. There's a potential for the Texans to lose. And as we're walking out of this building,
1: out of the playoff race. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's that potential. There, There is that Sunday. potential. So, no, it's not Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. It's Pittsburgh and Denver both losing Jags win, Colts win, Texans lose, you're done on Sunday. That sucks. Say that again. Colts if the win, Jags win. And Pittsburgh and Denver both lose. That eliminates the Texans. Oh, no, that's a possibility. Because it's going to clear the way for somebody to get the tiebreaker yes. over the Texans. So that's what it is. And I oh, my God. forget who. But Buffalo winning, Jags winning, Colts winning, and the Texans losing, that means you're out. You're done going into Week 18. And all you can really hope to play for is ruining the Colts' season, which would be something at that point. In fact, if you told me this in training camp and said, let's make a deal, you have that on the table mm-hmm. or what's behind door number two. I still would have picked door number two because I would say, oh, yeah, we're that good play out. We're yeah. that good where we right. have a chance at a winning season on the final day. That's something. Yep. But I'll take my chances on the other thing, which is making the postseason. OK, so we want Kansas City to beat Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I said I want Miami to beat
0: Baltimore because that has to play in with the Steelers. Now, the Steelers are playing at Seattle. Yeah. The Steelers have the toughest two ball games down the stretch. They are at Seattle, then they're at Baltimore. Now, the Baltimore game Might is rendered be- meaningless if Baltimore beats Miami. Yeah. So we want Pittsburgh out. We want Pittsburgh just lose both games. You're eight and nine. You're out of the mix. See ya. Don't want to be you. That'd be nice. Just get Pittsburgh out of the mix. Now, there's the other side of me that thinks keep Pittsburgh in the mix because you have the win over them. So, you have the head to head tiebreaker. If for some, somehow, some way, you both ended up nine and eight, you would end up getting it. So, there's a part of me that wants Pittsburgh and Cincinnati to kind of stay in it. But if you eliminate them and you get them out and you take care of your business, then okay, it comes down to some head to head tiebreakers elsewhere. Buffalo's taking on New England. We talked about that. Miami's going to Baltimore. We talked about that. Jacksonville, here's the way it looks in the division. And the division is that's the easiest scenario. Yeah. Win both. Jags lose once, which is entirely possible. The Jags finish with Carolina on Sunday Mm -hmm. and then at Tennessee of all the teams, I have them all written down who they're playing. The combined record of opponents for the Jacksonville Jaguars is seven wins and 23 losses, Carolina and Tennessee. But you know, as well as I do, Tennessee has always been a thorn in the side of the Jags.
1: Absolutely. And they would love, look, if it comes down to that Titans lose this week, against the Texans, mm-hmm. but they still have a motivator to spoil the Jags? Yes. That's a motivator. That's and that something. game is in Nashville. And I, I think the Titans will be very motivated this weekend yeah. to ruin the Texans season. So oh. they'll have plenty left over no matter what happens this week unless, oh, Henry's going to sit, really? Right. And then they just shut it down for Week 18. I don't see them doing that, though. Okay. Here's the trickiest one of all. Okay. The Indianapolis
0: Colts are facing the Las Vegas Raiders in – Lucas Oil. Yeah, i I've gone back and forth on this because I feel like at nine and eight the Raiders are the Raiders went out. The Raiders have got at Indy and then Denver. If yeah. the Raiders went out, the Raiders are a thorn in the side of the Texans at well, nine are, and eight. Well, look, they if the Texans ha-
1: split, and the Raiders are nine and eight, winning both. Uh, the Raiders are going to get in. They'll have a seven and five conference record, yep. and the Texans split would be six and six, six, and six. in the AFC. Yeah. That means the Raiders are in. So the Raiders—it's weird because the Raiders beating the Colts this weekend really does nothing for you, right? right? It really, do- in you, a sense, it doesn't. You right. have to beat the Colts next week, right? Because right, right. If the Raiders not, there's up, no doubt the Colts, you have to beat the Colts. Yeah, it doesn't matter if if the Ra- if the Colts lose this weekend and you win. They can beat you next week, but guess what? If the Jags lose, you could still slide in possibly possibly. as a wild card if you get the tiebreakers, but then all the other stuff. It's so wild, Johnny, with two weeks to go it's not simple to explain no I said this is not like, at all. this is like foreign business on American soil tax preparation right this is really complex this is like when you get your k1 if you have one of those investments and you're like yeah, yeah, what yeah. the hell is this that's what the tiebreaker scenarios look like going into the final two weeks next week it should be a little well a lot more clear let's face it
0: so there's a possibility of actually cheering for the Colts to beat the Raiders yeah,
1: but I'm not gonna cheer. I'm gonna let
0: that not one play cheer, out. Just, okay, you know, good, look, good point. That's a one Don't o'clock game. Don't let it game. cheer. Just let it go.
1: We'll let it unfold. Whatever happens, whatever happens. I'm cheering for people. You
0: end up benefiting either way because if the Colts win, the Raiders are knocked out. Yeah, the Raiders are done. Yeah, and you got to beat the Colts anyways. Yeah. So at that point, but if the Raiders end up winning, well, now the Colts are scarred. The and scarred. They're scarred. They're done. And I like the Colts being emotionally
1: scarred. But, Johnny, it's the Colts. I'll do with this all next week. You know it. (laughs) It doesn't matter who's playing. You could start Ellinger. You could sit everybody else down. They'll still have a shot against the Texans. Yes. Because Dan Orlovsky in 2011. Because of all the history. Because of Hasselbeck in a diaper. Because all of it.
0: Yes. The Colts. The nemesis. That's next week. It's the Titans this week. So, those are your scenarios. So, you can watch the Raiders and Colts and know you're going to win either way. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna win either way. Colts win. Raiders are pretty are, are knocked out. They're done. If the Raiders win, well, then the Colts are sitting at, at eight and eight, and that's just an extra loss, an additional loss I'm, for the Colts. I'm really to have to,
1: starting to feel it now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm really I know. starting to feel it. This
0: is awesome. <laughs> Think of oh what
1: were we thinking at this time not last much. year? Not this. Not this. I was not asking this. you, like, how does that Levis from Kentucky look? Yeah, exactly. How does, you know, how you does he compare like to
0: the top two guys? Yeah. What about Bryce and CJ? Yeah. I want CJ. I want Bryce. Oh we God. didn't hear a lot of, I want CJ. Um, I played the comments for Bruce Feldman uh, back a, a few weeks ago that I had gotten from him in the Big 12 uh, media days, and he just talked about CJ. Like, he was sort of kind of frustrated in some sense that cj had been so disregarded in some sense next to bryce young like it was all bryce it was all bryce he's like I got two eyes. I watched that guy throw the football. I know he's pretty darn good. Wait, you
1: know, when you watch the highlights What about Dan Pastorini? What did he say to us? Best release in the history incredible. of the game. <laughs> I mean, really, That's I, I'm paraphrasing, but it, he said it's the best release he's ever seen, including players he watched growing up. He went in-depth about it, yeah. and it's on the Vanderpod right yes, now on HoustonTexans.com, Spotify, iTunes, Pastorini's comments about the 2.30 mark. Go ahead. If you need to save time, 2.30 mark of the Vanderpod.
0: Yeah, there you go. Go check it out. All right, we're going to go around the NFL next. Next, what is happening in some of these games? What are some of the injuries? Who's being uh, left out? I know a lot of you have got your fantasy Super Bowl coming up, so we'll try and give you a few nuggets of who's in, who's out across the league, including, well, the waddle will not be seen in Baltimore. That could be big. We'll have that for you next right here in Texans All Access. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to this edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for the Houston Texans, and glad to be with you this evening, boy, there's a lot, a lot going on. I told my wife earlier today, I was like, man, you get to week 15, 16, 17, 18, and it is an absolute crapshoot who you're going to see, who's going to be available. I mean, it's nuts. And when you look out around the league, you see it everywhere, everywhere. Let's start in Jacksonville. Jaguars are going to be taking on the Carolina Panthers. But for the first time in his career from an injury standpoint trevor lawrence missed one game at clemson due to covid that was a notre dame game back in 2020 he has not missed a game due to quote-unquote injury he will on sunday he is out against the carolina panthers it is cj bethard time in jacksonville and if you take into account what mark and i talked about the division is real simple win two games Jacksonville loses one. That's it. And you have the division. Actually, they could they could tie once. They could tie once. I mean just a tie gets you to the division. How about that? So no Trevor Lawrence on Sunday against the Panthers. Now, the Jaguars have the easiest schedule according to the opponent's records left. Carolina's 2 and 12, 2 and 13. Tennessee's 5 and 10. That's 7 and 23 of all the teams that are playing that have playoff possibilities that's the worst mark. The second worst is the Texans and the Chiefs. 13 and 17 is the Texans play, 5 and 10 Titans, 8-7 Colts. The Kansas City Chiefs play Cincinnati 8-7, LA Chargers 5 and 10. So, the Jaguars even without Trevor Lawrence probably going to have a chance to play and win at home against the Panthers, although Bryce Young could do us a solid, do his buddy C.J. Stroud a solid, which would be kind of nice. Jalen Waddell, in the biggest game of the week, the Ravens taking on the Dolphins. Mark and I talked about this. Jalen Waddell out. That is a big, big loss for for Miami against the Baltimore Ravens. Game played up in Baltimore, Miami, not going to be 100%. He is out dealing with an ankle. Now, Raheem Mostert is questionable, so something to definitely keep an eye on. The Ravens have a couple guys questionable as well to watch. Zay Flowers with a calf and Kyle Hamilton with a knee. He went limping off the field the other night, so definitely keep an eye on those guys. Those are probably the biggest ones that are out. Uh, we'll talk about the Texas injury report a little bit Later, because we got to kick off the second hour of the show. We're going to do it with Chris Myers of Fox with Drew Doherty next on Texans All Access. We've got one hour in the books, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access. A TGIFF edition. Take out it's football Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm glad to be with you. John Harris, football analyst, sound out reporter for your Houston Texans. Getting ready for Sunday out uh, football against the Tennessee Titans looking forward to that now the man calling the action on television is Chris Myers from Fox he's called a few games of the Texans this year I think it's probably pretty good luck Chris Myers is here he's created a little bond with our pal Drew Doherty Uh, let's go behind enemy sidelines kind of with Drew Doherty and Chris Myers from Fox
4: Friend of the program, Chris Myers of Fox Sports is with us. Chris, we've done this now three times. It's good to see you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All that stuff. First things first. The Texans, like you just mentioned off air to me, in the hunt. That's an exciting thing. And it's not something that's happened around here since 2019. How excited are you to call this game with Robert Smith on Sunday against the Titans?
6: Excited because we got an early look at. CJ Stroud in person actually called that Jacksonville that, that went up at Jacksonville, his Mm -hmm. first win. And that second half against the Colts there in Houston, when he, when he really came to life and then, and then we got to see him with tank Dell who unfortunately obviously is, as fans know is out of it, but love that he throws the ball deep, loved his attitude where it's all, all points uh, to him playing off the concussion. So he's an exciting play. He's a star, you know? And, and so I, I, I like that uh, about this team. And I, and I like, you know, look, you, you may not win a coach a Coach of the Year or Rookie of the Year, but between D'Amico Ryan's and him, uh, I mean, we saw that early, and and it's it's continuing as long as he's healthy. And I like the idea that you win your last two, you're in. Maybe there's still a division title in the in your grasp, and it's it's very believable. I mean, considering how this team, I, I can't get over they three wins last year, and I, I've done some. <laughs> Houston games, as you know, in the last couple of years. I mean, this is a this is a major turnaround in a short time. Obviously, you get a quarterback like Stroud and the defensive, especially stopping the run. There's other parts, there's other pieces, but it's been it's been enjoyable. I gotta tell you.
4: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And you say you can't believe it. Well, join the club. I mean, I <laughs> I knew the Texans would be better and I thought they'd be better than most people believed they would be, but I didn't know it'd be this good this soon. And like you mentioned, they they've got a really Realistic shot at getting double digit wins. Let's stick with Stroud. He practiced the last two days, met with the media today. He's out of the concussion protocol, says he's ready to start. You know, barring something unforeseen, he's going to be the guy under center when he starts on Sunday. And you touched on the deep ball. He's one of the best in the NFL, if not the best, at the completions of 20 yards or more, the air yards. And it's been so much fun to watch. It's like Al Davis's, the late Al Davis's dream. But yeah. nobody does it that well, or nobody really seems to do it that well at, at that young an age. Is that what kind of on the field makes you the most excited as, as a play-by-play guy?
6: Yes. I mean, we love the big plays. You know, people say, oh, you're biased. We, we we like the games, at least as a broadcast crew, we like <laughs> games to be close, and we like big plays, a lot of offense. I mean, you, games can be exciting defensively, but when there's a lot of scoring. And you just don't see uh, rookie quarterbacks come in and, and throw the ball down the field as successfully and, and make other throws uh, as well, but especially those kinds of throws. And again, even without Dell, I mean, involving now Noah Brown, I mean, Nico Collins uh, has been terrific. Some of that's, you know, catch and carry, but as far as throwing it downfield, to me, it's a, it's a wow factor. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I know these two teams the Texans Titans that we opened the season with, these are two of the most injured teams, or at least teams yeah. have had the most injuries through the course of the season. So that's where you worry about, you know, and they have their quarterback issue health wise with Will Levis, uh, but the offensive linemen shuffling and who's healthy and who's going to play, but he's withstood all that. Uh, as Stroud has, and so has the team uh, to to be where they are. So, but yes, that's to me other and, and his composure early, uh, we saw it. I you know he didn't want to run he wanted to throw the ball uh, and, and you know, now he's I think well this may change a little bit after the concussion but you know and now he he runs in key spots to get first downs does throughout so he's smart about it uh, too but his demeanor too when we sat with him in person I mean he's very confident but very humble and and, and appreciates his team and his coaching around him and Bobby Sloak the offensive coordinator of course uh, uh, D'Amico Ryan so yeah I've been on it I jumped on the bandwagon with him early I didn't know You have the wins you have there in Houston, but uh, uh, to me, I wasn't afraid near the halfway point. Even when they say, "Hey, I think this team can go to the playoffs, can win the division," even and we'll see what Jacksonville does. Uh, But I didn't know he obviously he was going to miss a couple of games, but we're all glad he's back.
4: Yeah, we're keeping receipts, and you definitely have bona fides (laughs) because uh, Chris Myers. If you're just now joining us, Chris Myers of Fox Sports is talking with us. And yes, in September, in October, Chris was very much in CJ Stroud's corner and very, very impressed. And you brought up Tank Dell big loss for this team and the offense has not been what it was when tank Dell was playing that first game or so without him, you know, was also coincided coincided with when, when CJ Stroud went down with a concussion, but Nico Collins, a thousand yards and he still has two more games to go. It's been an excellent season for him. How much fun have you had watching him and preparing for these games and seeing what he's done? Because we knew he was big. We knew he was fast. I didn't know that he played with the controlled violence after the catch that he has shown this year. How much How much of a an oddity as Nico Collins been?
6: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That because he's very physical after the catch, and he—I I don't know—they should know by now. I mean, for as long, but defensive backs—if they—they think he's going to be as as physically strong and as fast, he has doesn't look like a speedy guy, but he gets he gets mm-hmm. going after the catch. He's got—we we talk about that other gear, and I noticed just in, in preparing, and, and obviously too, you know, taking on the the deep ball more uh, as well. It's not just you know yards after catch, but he, his yard—he's second in the in the NFL. Uh, with receiving yards at home, mm-hmm. at, at, I forget it. I don't even mention his thousand but I think only Nakua with the with the Rams, the outstanding Puka Nakua, the rookie, has only more receiving yards at, at home. So obviously he's a little more comfortable there. But even when he's been on the road, whenever we've seen him, uh, yes, big big playmaker, and and one of those parts, you know, you talk about being healthy. There's a guy when we covered him in the past, he was, he was hurt a lot, you know, we thought, oh, is he too big to take on the, you know, and having again and bringing in a guy like Dalton uh, Schultz. And another thing that jumped out on me just, I know we're talking about Nico, but uh, you know, the move with, with Singletary and, 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 Luke Pierce, you know, had, had done such a good job a last year. But but Singletary since Week Ten, I mean he's in the top five in the entire NFL in, in total scrimmage yards, and you can use him in a lot of ways. Uh, and again, working behind an offensive line that had to shuffle because of of injury. And, and again, Stroud knowing how to use him, but maybe that opens things up more uh, for somebody like uh, like Nico Collins. And again, Noah Brown too, at least getting downfield now that now that he's healthy because he wasn't early in the year.
4: Yeah, we're talking with Chris Myers of Fox Sports. He's got the call with Robert Griffin this Sunday, Texans and Titans, and Chris. The Texans team, you brought up injuries earlier. The defensive ends, Will Anderson Jr., Jonathan Grenard, question marks as far as their availability goes. Going against a, an offense with Derrick Henry that they shut down a few weeks ago, but it's a little tougher to do so when you don't have those frontline guys like those two. What sort of impact have you seen on, on, on the season from them and, and what you watched back early this year to now?
6: Yeah, and, and Grenard, one of their most important players. I think Blake
4: Cashman will be back healthy. That's good. At least we're expecting.
6: Yeah. Uh, you know, I know Rankins has an ankle injury. I think it's a hip injury with Malik Collins. So they're all kind of beat up uh, up front. You're going to need some of the guys. You know, Heinrich, whatever, is, Sanders to, to to help out. Uh, I, I'm hoping Will Anderson. We saw him play big early. I think we called his his first sack. Our broadcast crew in the in, in the NFL. That's an important element with Derrick Henry because he can wear you down. And uh, even though he's not had the typical uh, Derrick Henry year, you know, he's closing in on a thousand yards. Yep. Uh, he's a guy, and you know, I didn't realize too, he he didn't really become a regular starter in the NFL until he was like three years into the, into the league. And he's amassed incredible numbers. And he's got 89 career touchdowns and that type of thing. So, uh, but you, the advantage is if the quarterback and the passing game isn't as strong for Tennessee, uh well, that's where I'm sure D'Amico Ryan's will have some adjustments to make if if the guys up front aren't as healthy uh so where you can put pressure or how you can gang up uh, on the run uh, against uh, whomever the quarterback is going to be for Tennessee so i and, and that, that that's another thing just the numbers i remember we did the games a few games last year they gave it up 170 yards on the ground right so oh, that's all the, the, yeah the Texans and now I mean it's almost like a, an an eighty or seventy nine yard improvement in that in that stopping the run category and again I know there's some has some injuries in the secondary and some guys are beat up there we'll miss Timmy Ward and Kareem Jackson has has been added so we'll see how that plays out but they have been good against the run that's the point and and that's what you know Tennessee wants to do uh, and that's where it starts with with Derrick Henry and so I I you know I think there's reason despite injury. Uh, that you can be confident enough and and you get a lead and let them run the clock and, and and slow things down for you.
4: No doubt. You know, we were talking and joking around with John McClain, longtime NFL columnist who says to say hello, by the way. Uh, and, yep. and Mark Vandermeer voice of the Texans earlier today, you know, five, six months ago, we were just saying, Hey, let's see if this run defense could be mediocre. And there's no telling how far this team could go. And now it's a, it's a strength of the team. Like you just brought up, we, we want to kind of veer off a little bit here. You're a perfect guy to talk to about this. Last night, we see the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame finalists list come out. Andre Johnson is in that list of 15. We're obviously biased. think he belongs. What's your take on what number 80 meant in the NFL and, and his chances or, or viability of being a Pro Football Hall of Famer?
6: yeah, called some of his games uh, when mm-hmm. in, in the prime of his career. I'll tell you, one of them was a was a Seattle game, Richard Sherman. And what Sherman said, you know we do our, our production be, uh, be beforehand about certain receivers and 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 even at that time was was calling him a guy potential on his way to Hall of Fame. And then, of course, he's put up more numbers. I think this is what the third try. For Andre yes. Johnson. So, yes, in my opinion, uh, and I, I try not to be biased, but I, but I, I, you can look at stats, you can look at numbers. Uh, I try to use the eye test of guys that I've seen over the last, you know, really ten years, calling games more than twenty. 25 years in, in the business, being around the NFL and uh, not so much play by play, but even just working sidelines and things like that. So I, I believe he is a lot of it depends, as, as you know, when you come up. And we went through this recently with Rondé Barber, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Buccaneers. I mean, I thought he should have gone in a, a, a lot sooner, but eventually he he, he got in. It. it was just too much to ignore. Uh, and, and I think Houston is not a smaller market, but it just doesn't have the rep, you know, and I know he would be Johnson would be the first Texan uh, true Houston Texan player to go into the Hall of Fame. Right. I'm correct on that. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and so, uh, you know, and, and John McClain, I do. I go way back with him on a lot of football. And I think he's with me on this. I mean, he, he deserves to uh, be in there for the reasons that, that we've talked about. A lot of it depends on who you're going in with. Right. And how, how people lobby. Uh, for certain players, but if, you, if you're if you a, you know, if you were a, a Steeler or a Packer, you just seem to get moved to the, you know, to the head of the line, uh, a lot of times, depending upon the, the competition of other players. So yes, he gets my vote. I don't have one right here right now, uh, right. but my eye test and those numbers say that he belongs.
4: All right, time to do a lightning round set of weird questions with you, Chris Myers. I know you're a busy man. I love this, but... by the way.
6: That's, that's the reason I wanted to come back. Cause I love that. <laughs> I love being I'm used to doing interviews and I love that you surprise me with these and you have to answer them on the fly. I, I think this is really fun. So,
4: okay. Well, well, here we go. You're, I've said this before, when we've talked, you're on the Mount Rushmore of greatest interviewers ever. So let's say you're sitting down in a nice comfy love seat and sitting in a nice comfy love seat across from you is charlemagne and i'm not talking about the rapper i'm talking about the charlemagne charlemagne from long ago what's your first question out of the gate to charlemagne
6: wow that's uh <laughs> i would uh Ah, I think, you know, you start out-
4: <laughs> You'd have a lot like of prep. A, and so it's, this is not really fair to you because I know you do you so want much I, well,
6: in these. I, no, it's a good, It's a, I, well, my first question is usually, I, I, I'm I, not specific. Like if you say, where do you want to go in an interview? But usually I'm kind of just want to get people comfortable, uh, you right. know, in, in, in the interviews. So uh, I don't know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to gauge the mood uh, of Charlemagne. So I, I would, wow, that's a, that's a, that is, I never thought I would have to prep for such an interview. But when, when you first said it, I thought you were talking about the radio uh, talk show host. So uh, I don't know. I, I would probably ask something, you know, historical, topical before I got into something personal. That's gotcha. how I would. That's probably how I would approach it. But I love that question. That's great. All All right. Right. Have to say, yeah. I have more time to think about that.
4: Start being prepared, Chris Myers. This is, uh, right. this okay. is serious stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did a, I did a Q and a today sure. with Christian Harris, linebacker for the Texans. You know a lot about him. He right. had a big game against yep. the Titans. Right. My question to Christian was... You can have any animal in the world as a pet. You don't have to worry about it ever going crazy and killing somebody or doing anything badly. What's the animal you would choose to have as a pet? You could choose any animal.
6: Yep, I know he. Well, he's an Alabama guy, so it's not like the Crimson Tide, right? But he's the mascot. I was trying to think of what his what his connection was. I, you know, I, a lion. I've always had. If if it's not, yep. I love dogs. I do a lot, You know, I do the the dog show. And I I grew up with dogs around me, uh my family. So I. Uh, but the lion is like the king of the jungle. Yep. there's a there's a kind of a style and a mane and a good babysitter. And plus, it, it could sit there like if it was a statue. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that's the first thing that that uh, comes to mind. That's actually a really cool question. But yes, I always thought about you know what it would be like. I mean, you know, there's a lot of other different ways you can go. But I'm going with the uh, the mane and the look and just the the roar. You know, I still love when they sure. show the old boobies and they show the MGM. And it's the lion roar. Uh, that would be nice. A nice alarm. So I'll go with the lion.
4: The line's a good one. And that's been the most common one when I do these really? weekly interviews. Players oh, have said that. Okay. I was gonna and ask So when you I said that, other... I said, hey, that's the most common Christian Harris said, Well, then I don't want I'm gonna go with the Komodo dragon instead. <laughs> so...
6: Yeah, something right, something different. I, you know what I'm a big water. all right. So that's that's cool that you said that uh I since I grew up around water and still love water. If I mm-hmm. if I did have that, I I probably would have and uh, not because of the team, a dolphin or a porpoise. I'm fascinated by them and their, their, movement oh, yeah. and their communication. So that would be, that's more a mammal than a, but, but uh, yeah, now I feel like a part of the group, but I'm glad the lion is, is leading in the votes.
4: All right. That's a great one. Dolphin's a fantastic one. You could be, get a big aquarium pool size, yeah. you know, Olympic yeah, size. Pool, go, yeah.
6: go swimming with it, get a saltwater pool or whatever. Absolutely. You to, yeah, that's, gotta well, cool.
4: that's a good choice. I like that. Okay. Uh, this is another one that came up today. You can be the fastest man or or woman in the world as far as running, Mm -hmm. but you have offensive bad breath. You have that choice, or you can fly, but you don't have the sense of both smell and taste. Which of those options would you choose?
6: Wow. Well, I would love to fly because uh, travel is so, but I, I think I couldn't lose the other parts of that. I would, I would take the speed and the bad breath. I, I, you know, I'm assuming you can't do something to correct that bad breath. So I would warn people: wear a mask, like maybe we all did on the pandemic, if I was around people. Uh, right. I'll look the other way, read the other way. But being that fast, uh, I don't know what I would do with it at this stage of my life and my career. Uh, but at least you know, go win the Olympics, the coaches, Chris.
4: You'd go win the Olympics. You'd save yeah. lives. That's what you well, do. There you go. I'll,
6: I'll do that. I'll represent our country in the Olympics. I'd be proud of that if, if, if the breath holds up.
4: All right. One more for Chris Myers. You brought up the dog shows. We talked off camera just a moment ago about your pets. So do you have dogs? What are there? What's the deal with them? What do you got?
6: right uh well we used to have a jack russell and chihuahua and a retriever and through the years with my kids and all a few of them have passed away so we we do have kind of a retriever mix it was a rescue dog my family does a lot okay. with rescuing dogs and then awesome. and they bring too many home actually but then they'll <laughs> connect them with with this with families that show that they want to raise a dog or or abuse dogs that, that are reeled in so they stay active in that but i yeah and growing up it was we mostly had just kind of mixes but uh because we couldn't afford a whole lot but but they were still uh they were they were still Still great pets.
4: So you okay so you have how many dogs now in your house? So one one, one
6: now. Yes, oh, just okay. one now the retriever. It's really kind of a retriever mix a little beagle in there as well. Gotcha. such so so a smart about, dog. Uh, what
4: y- mixed yeah, dogs really are the good. smartest dogs, aren't they? yeah
6: they're, they're yeah I mean they're a blast and the if, if if I think most dogs will warm up to and become smarter depending upon how they're raised and what the what the environment is like around them. but I, as much as I love dogs, I was never like you know a show dog family or that type of thing. I mean, sure, you know, we're sure. just getting them as a pet and, being, and making them part of the family
4: the show dog aspect of things is something I will, it's a line of questioning I'm going to pursue with you the next time we get yep. to do this, because that's oh, okay. in and of itself, I'm sure a long, long topic to discuss. Cause like you mentioned, you're the voice of, of the, uh, the dog shows and stuff. And yeah.
6: You're... The West, Westminster cattle club dog show, which will again be, I think it's in, in May this year, again at the Billie Jean uh, King Tennis Center there in New York. Okay. They're going to Try to get back to Madison Square Garden. But yeah, I'm fascinated every year I go, not only the studying the types, you know, over 300 plus breeds and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and how just they are pampered because they know they're the stars of the show. It's, uh, yeah, it's a lot like dealing with, you know, star athletes. It's just a little bit different.
4: <laughs> that is, yeah. Wow. We got a lot to discuss next time. Well, Chris, it's wonderful talking with you. Thank you so much for the time. We look forward to the call on Fox this Sunday, Texans and Titans. You're with Robert Smith. It's going to be a big one. Houston really needs this win and uh, we hope you have a happy new year.
6: Yeah, no, thank you. And look forward to it. I am sure the crowd will be jumping. I know that Coach Ryan said had talked about that in Houston and I always enjoy talking to you. You have a good new new year, all your listeners. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little homework on the Charlemagne so I have, I have something better <laughs> for you next time. Because I'm a big guy in preparation, but that's okay. That's what I like about your questions. So well, thanks. There we go, much. man.
4: I'll see you at uh, practice hopefully on Friday. Take care, Chris. Okay, will see you this weekend. Always love hearing the voices that call the action
0: on radio TV. Uh, love it. Obviously, you are going to be listening to our broadcast with Mark Vandermeer, Andre Ware, and myself. Kickoff is at noon. We'll get into a little bit more of that uh, a little bit later. And when I mean later, I mean next segment. Because we got to pick all these games, and we got to give you the Texas injury report and everything going on throughout the league. So we're picking games and looking at the injury report next, right here on Texans All Access. All right, here we go. My favorite segment of the week. It's time to pick all these games that are happening this weekend. Already had one on Thursday night. Uh, Would have got that one. Would have definitely got that one. So, let's pick them. Welcome back to the show, by the way. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And we got to hit all these games. And there's a full slate. One already played. The Browns are taking on. or Browns took on the Jets. Dominated the game. Joe Flacco threw for 300, basically, before half. It was a whitewash. Now, the games start On Saturday night, so get my music going and let's talk Lions v. Cowboys down in Dallas. Dallas is favored by five and a half against NFC North champs. I'm giving this win to the Dallas Cowboys. They love to play at home. They'll cover the five and a half. Lions aren't going to put it on cruise control just yet because they got a shot still to be the number one seed. But I just think on the road after that big emotional win last week on the road, Cowboys will get this one at home as the Lions struggle in that one. Cowboys win and cover the five and a half. Here we go. Dolphins, Ravens. As I said earlier, no Jalen Waddle for the Dolphins. Keeping an eye on Zay Flowers and Kyle Hamilton, both questionable for the Ravens. Ravens come back home to play a noon game after a, a Monday night, Christmas night game. Dolphins got that one against the Cowboys last week in an emotional game. But like I said, they'll be without Jalen Waddle. The Baltimore Ravens are favored by three and a half. The Baltimore Ravens will win. Which I don't know if I love is the market I talked about earlier. And they'll cover the three and a half. Ravens will be AFC number one seed. The playoffs will go through Baltimore yet again. The Patriots are taking on the Bills in Orchard Park. Bills favored by 14. It's a bit much. The Patriots always give them issues. So I'm going to go with the Buffalo win here, but a Patriot cover. They'll win by 10. It'll be 21 10, something like that, 24 14. Uh, but the Patriots will get inside that 14-point number. Falcons are going to the Bears. Neither one of these teams are going to go to the playoffs, presumably, as long as Tampa Bay runs the table. Uh, But I like the Falcons in this one against the Bears. Bears playing a little bit better. Got to win last week against Arizona. The Falcons are better than Arizona. And Tyler Heineke is starting for the Falcons. Bears are favored by 2.5. I like the Falcons to win that and obviously cover. Good on the Falcons for getting to 8-8 eight and eight if they can do it. Don't keep their hopes alive if Tampa Bay loses. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Big one in Indy. Big one. And I think Mark and I came around to the fact that either way, it's not a bad thing. Either way, it's not a good thing. Because Ra- if the Raiders beat the Colts, the Raiders are definitely in the wild card mix. If the Colts beat the Raiders, the Raiders are out and the Colts are still alive to win the division, and set up Week 18 against the Texans. So, any favor by 3.5, I think the Colts are going to get this, but it's going to be close. It's going to be inside that 3.5. This has got 27-24 written all over it. Colts will kick a field goal late, get a little revenge from a couple years ago when Carson Wentz played in that game against the Raiders, and the Raiders won that one. The Colts will win this one. The Colts will set up that Week 18 matchup. Because, like I said earlier, the Texans are going to beat the Titans. At least hope they beat the Titans. And set up a big matchup with the Colts on Sunday in Week 18. So, Raiders will lose. They will stay strong, but lose. Antonio Pierce is going to keep that job, though. He's done a great job. Panthers, Jaguars, no Trevor Lawrence. The line has fallen to four. C.J. Beathard at home. God, this one is in Carolina. With the way Bryce Young played last week, I would pick the Panthers. Can't do it. Jaguars are going to win this. Panthers will keep it close. They'll keep it within 4 it They'll be tight. 14-12, 17-15, something like that, uh, 17-14. Jags win, Panthers cover. Rams it on the Giants to the NFC. Rams are favored by 5.5 on the road in a negative body clock game. Doesn't matter. Rams are playing well. Look at the 9-7, and, and they'll cover that 5.5 against Charod Taylor. Cardinals, Eagles. Eagles will whitewash the Cardinals. The spread is 12. Cardinals. I'm sorry, the Eagles will win and cover that at home and start to feel better going into the playoffs. The Bucks have a chance to win a division. Against their hated rival. Man, it doesn't get much better than that because that could be week 18 for us. Bucks are 8 and 7, they're two and a half point favorites. They're going to beat the Saints at home and win the NFC South. Baker Mayfield's going to be the comeback player of the year, not named DeMar Hamlin. 49ers are going to hammer the Commanders in Washington. They'll beat them by more than 13 and a half. The Commanders are ready for the season to be done. Actually, I take it back. I take it back. Sorry. Niners will win. Jacoby Brissett will keep it closer than a 13.5-point spread. So 49ers win. Commanders to cover. Steelers are going to lose out in Seattle. Seattle's going to cover that 3.5 as well. Bengals will lose to the Chiefs. The Chiefs will get it right and cover the 6.5, 28-21. The Broncos will narrowly lose to the Chargers. The Chargers are going to pull the upset in Denver against Jared Stidham. And Sunday night, Packers-Vikings. Vikings favored by one. Jaron Hall is going to start. Look, the Packers are going to go get win number eight of the year, and I need that to happen. All right, those are your games all weekend to watch and see how i do coming up it's little drew's dozen and the ultimate 11 offensive plays of the year to this point that's next on texans all access all right all right all right This is going to be a fun final segment right here and it's friday edition of texans all access i'm your host john harris football analyst sideline reporter calling the action on sunday with mark and andre is going to be a blast against the titans a team we have not beat in nrg stadium since 2018 oh my goodness now a guy that's going to play a big role in that game is christian harris you're at the football interview with christian earlier in the show now it's time for drew doherty's drew's dozen with christian harris which always gets a little wacky drew take it away.
4: linebacker christian harris is here you have a track background we discussed this about a year ago your mother helps you out as well she was a track coach so with all that in mind would you like to be the fastest man in the world in every single race, but have offensive bad breath,
5: or... Have offensive bad breath is crazy.
4: Or be able to fly, but not have any sense of smell or taste. Which of those would you choose?
5: I would say fly, bro, because just having bad breath is a no. Yeah. That's, that's embarrassing. You just can't do that. Plus, like, I like to fly. Like, that'd be dope. But do you just, like to eat and smell good? Yeah, things? but you know you're gonna have to take gifts somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. No bad breath, huh? No bad breath. I can't do that one. <laughs> That's not going.
4: Are you? Are you? Uh, are you a gum chewer? Are you? Uh, you? You big on mouthwash? Yeah, I, chew,
5: I chew gum. Yep. Yeah. Mouthwash. I mean, yeah, I brush my teeth like everybody should. So. Sure, sure. You have good, good dental hygiene.
4: It's good, man. You're a professional athlete. You have good dental <laughs> hygiene. You got a lot working for you. Okay, what's the most overused emoji in the world?
5: Mmm. Most overused emoji, I'll probably say now, well, I don't know if many people use it now. The 100 emoji? Yes. Oh, my gosh.
4: A lot of people use Everybody that.
5: Everybody uses it. It's like overused. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I think my
4: great-grandmother uses it, <laughs> and she's dead. Oh, all man. four of them. Sorry. sorry about whoa, that. whoa, sorry whoa. About that. Uh, anyways, moving along. <laughs> Any animal in the world you could choose as a pet, and that animal's going to be tame. It won't, it won't go crazy or hurt anybody. What, What animal would you choose? Probably a tiger. A tiger, No, a lion. A lion, yes. Why a lion just... over a tiger?
5: We're like, we're a lot alike. like.
4: You're a lot alike. Yes. like. You're like a lion. Yes. Okay, yeah. So. Last week, Juice Scruggs chose tiger, a white tiger. No Al- albino tiger. Yes, wow. and we've heard. I think he's the only one that did not choose lion out of all your teammates that have. Everybody done this.
5: else chose lion. Yes. Mm.
4: There's nothing wrong with that. King of the jungle, you know. I mean. You got to switch it up. Okay, so if you had
5: to sw- switch it up, what is it going to be? Have you ever seen a Komodo dragon? Of course dog nobody would mess with me at all <laughs> the things are vicious yeah
4: would you walk around on a leash yes yeah sure. i got you yeah
5: do you have any pets yeah i have a frenchie you
4: have a frenchie <laughs> yeah that's awesome is this a new dog because last year when uh, we did this you didn't have
5: a dog yeah right? he's uh, one years old now a little over a year old now so yeah he's nice. a little pup what's his little name Maro. creed creed like yeah. the boxer yes I actually because i got him around when that movie came out so I was yeah, just yeah.
4: Like, going to stick. Great movie.
5: Yeah, Movies, I suppose. And a good original character too.
4: What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Pray. Pray? All Anytime. right. Is it the same prayer
5: every day? Is it a variation of one prayer? Is it something different? You mix it up? Uh, just whatever I'm feeling at that time. Okay. You know, some mornings are rougher than others. So, you know, sometimes you got to rely on motivation. I mean, discipline, not motivation. So I switch it up sometimes, but I got you. it's usually around the same idea.
4: What's the last thing you do before your head hits the pillow at night?
5: I would say pray, but, you know, make it a little fun. Uh, I mean, I'm chilling with my dog, play with my dog, I would say. You know? Yeah. i got to have a cup, like a handful of M&Ms. And then, yeah, I can get some good sleep after that.
4: A little energy from the M&Ms, yeah, to sleep. I got you.
5: Good.
4: Okay, well, with that in mind, let's say you're locked in a 10-foot by 10-foot room and it's filled with food and you've got to eat your way to get out. What's the food you're going to choose?
5: To be surrounded. I mean, it's like, Jesus. Oh, just is make you think for real. I'll probably say some... Um, Mm, jambalaya, jambalaya. Yes. What's in the jambalaya? It's just chicken sausage. Just chicken sausage. Yes. No seafood. Gotcha. Chicken sausage. Not a seafood guy. I'm a big seafood guy. I'm from Baton Rouge now. Don't forget that. What are your favorite seafood dishes? Mm, crawfish étouffée. Yeah. I mean, you just I just love crawfish in general. Uh, gumbo. hmm Uh, I would say jambalaya. You could put shrimp in there as well, like instead of chicken and sausage. Gumbo, you could do like chicken and sausage. You can do like with crabs, shrimp. you can do shrimp, crab, chicken, sausage, yeah. do everything with gumbo dog. So yeah. yeah, those for sure.
4: Is gumbo, how how often do you drink, not drink, but how often do you eat gumbo?
5: I haven't had it recently, like in a very long time. When I was back home, it was every, all the time, obviously, because my parents, but you know, you yeah. go to college and everything, I don't have nobody there making it and I'm not going anywhere to get it. So,
4: so. you don't trust anybody's but your uh, family's? Yeah, it's
5: just not going to, I'm sorry, yeah. That must
4: be serious, combo. Wow, I, I would like I'm, to try. Let me get that. you some. I, I would appreciate yeah, I that. You. That sounds pretty serious. Because my dad's from Maryland, and he won't eat crab cakes outside of the s- state of Maryland. Really? Yep. Which wow. Is, is, pretty serious. Like,
5: is that like where it originated? Uh, or it like I don't know. It might raps? just be
4: my dad. Might just be a weirdo. But he uh, <laughs> that's what he, that's what he sticks to. He's got a creed, and that's one thing he sticks with. What's the one word you think your teammates use to describe you?
5: Some of them call me angry man. Because like I don't know, I just kind of intense on the field, so yeah. that'd probably be why, yeah. But I don't know. You probably have to ask him. I, I really couldn't tell you.
4: I got you. I don't. You don't strike me as an angry man. The yeah, way, when we talk, we person. have these conversations. Yeah. That's it's what I'm
5: saying. Good. Like on the field, though, it's completely different. Right. You got to be different yeah. on the field. It's a different whole different personality.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, number 48. <laughs> it's always good to be with you. Thanks yeah, so much for the time. Appreciate it. Good luck. Thank y'all.
0: Now, each and every Tuesday, I do a show called Texans Matchup, and I look back at the ultimate 11 plays of the previous week. I look back at games from previous years. Who's on the schedule next? Well, when I get to the end of the year, I want to make sure I do kind of a retrospective. And so I've decided that with two shows left to go, guaranteed shows. Because we get in the playoffs, we're still doing Texans Matchup. We'll just obviously be focusing on playoff wins because that's the only way that we'll have a show Uh, on matchup after this. So I decided, all right, this week, I'm going to do the Ultimate 11 Offensive Plays of the Year. I just felt like this was awesome to do on a Friday night. You're sitting cold, you're in front of the fireplace, and you're listening like, oh, man, I remember this. Well, there might be many more over the next couple of weeks, but up till now, I figured let's get a little retrospective of the offensive output from this year with the Ultimate 11 Offensive Plays of the Year. Let's go. Let's kick off our Ultimate 11 Offensive Plays of the Year Right here. Now, we still have two, two more games to go. These could all get bumped, but because we've only got these two shows, figure let's do offense today, let's do defense next week, and let's see what we do going into the playoffs. If we get to the playoffs, we'll have a long matchup of that win over the Colts because you're going to have to have a win over the Colts to get into the playoffs. So we'll do that and think about that down the road. So let's do our ultimate 11 offensive plays of the year, and we're going to start week four against the Pittsburgh Steelers. What an afternoon that was. The Texans jumped out big. Boom, boom. Got up early. And then kind of had the Steelers kind of at bay the rest of the day. The Steelers had kicked a couple of field goals to make it 16-6. to six. And then Motor, well, I don't want to give that one away because that might be in here too. Motor threw a touchdown to Dalton Schultz. That put them up 23-6. to six. But the Texans got the ball back. 23-6, to six, faced a third down. And when you're up 23-6... And you got CJ Stroud. Well, you don't have to throw on third and short. You can throw the ball deep to Nico Collins. And that's exactly what happened right here at play number 11. CJ finds Nico 52 yards to put the capper on the Steelers 30 to 6. It's at number 11
1: third and seven from the texans 48 stroud shotgun motor in the backfield with him cj gets the snap cj throwing downfield and caught by nico 25
7: 20 breaks a tackle 15 10 5 rock and roll touchdown houston (laughs) cj stroud with more third down magic to the end zone
0: Now, when I put this ultimate 11, sometimes I kind of slot things first, and then I go back and I re-slot. Well, I didn't realize I had done this, but at number 10 is exactly what I just mentioned. 16-6 to against the Steelers. Texans looking for a little bit of spark to get back going. You know the terrible towels got going in that game a little bit when it was 16-6. to Thought they had a shot. But then C.J. Stroud. No, not C.J. Stroud. Devin Singletary, before Devin really had taken over as the number one running back, Came into the game, and it was time for a little razzle-dazzle, as Mark Vandermeer put it, as he found Dalton Schultz for a touchdown to put them up 23-6 against the Steelers. It's at number 10.
7: Second and goal at the six. Stroud under center. Pitches the ball to Singletary. Throws to the end zone. Razzle-dazzle. Caught for a touchdown. Dalton Schultz. The Texans score.
0: <laughs> then they would hit the Nico touchdown. Then they would beat the Steelers that put the Texans at two and two. Now they were 0 and two when they went to Duval County to take on the one and one Jacksonville Jaguars in week three And the talk that week against the Jaguars for the Jaguars was, Hey, you got a two week trip upcoming to London. What about London? How about going over to London? Hey, you got these two games in London. Everything was about London. Nothing was about the Texans and I thought that was interesting. So, okay, maybe they're not ready for what we can do. Well, the offense had started getting rolling against the Colts, but it really got rolling against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought we might be in some trouble early. First three and out. Oh, boy, not good. Holy cow. Jags got the ball. They drive a little bit, but now they got to kick a field goal. Brandon McManus pushes it wide right. Now the Texans have got great field position and they were about to unleash a can of you-know-what on the Jags. Right here, going deep at number nine, CJ found Tank. This put the ball down at the one-yard line and signaled what the Texans' offense was going to be this year. CJ
1: to Tank at number nine for 46 yards to the one. Second down and seven from the 48 of the Jags. Stroud fakes the give. Now, guns long downfield,
7: and he wants Tagdell, and Dell has the catch inside the one yard line. Stop there. Big play to Tagdell.
0: Now, the Texans' offense has been fairly spectacular all year long. There have been some moments of not so greatness. But I found one, or wanted to put one, that came in a losing effort. It came in week five at Atlanta, late in the game. CJ Stroud put together a drive. Just after the two-minute warning, Dalton Schultz and CJ connected on a play that they talked about on the sidelines. A little nod and go by Dalton Schultz. Kind of looked like he was going to run the in route, the basic, and then boom, boom, and he went by Jesse Bates, and Stroud hit him to take the lead, and it sent the sideline into hysterics. Well, unfortunately, Desmond Ritter pulled some magic. That's why this one's not any higher, but at number eight, The only one in a losing effort, C.J. to Dalton, late in the game against the
1: Falcons. Texans in the huddle. Singletary is in the game. Mechie, Woods. They'll send Nico out to the left side. Stroud of the gun, Singletary to his left. Third down and eight at the Falcons' 18. C.J. gets the snap. C.J. looking, firing to the end zone.
7: Caught! Touchdown! Dalton Schultz! They do it! 18-yard touchdown pass to the tight end, and the Texans can take the lead with the extra point. And what a throw by C.J. Stroud.
0: And that was just the beginning of the late-game heroics, and we'll get into a little bit more. But number eight right there, C.J. hitting Dalton for the touchdown against the Falcons. Not enough on that day, but what a magnificent moment for both C.J. Stroud and Dalton Schultz. All right, number seven came in a game that was not looking good early. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had come to town and they had to break a losing streak and Baker Mayfield was hot and the Texans were in a lot of trouble. Especially because Kaimi Fairbairn had gone out. So they had to rely on Daria Gumbawale later in the game. But before we could get there, Texans had to get within a touchdown or two of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, third quarter, ball to 25 to start a drive. CJ found Noah. Got a block from Tank, and Noah would take it 75 yards to the house to cut the lead in half against the Buccaneers. It comes in at number seven.
1: C.J. fakes the give. C.J. planting,
7: and he throws downfield over the middle, and he's got a man brown left side, 50, 40, left sideline, full throttle, 20, 15, 10, 5, fighting for the goal line, and he's got it! Touchdown Houston, rock and roll! What 75 a, yards! What a block by Tank Dale. I mean, you gotta have unselfish players to be successful offensively. And some guys just have to flat out do the dirty work every once in a while. You all can't be stars. And the, the block by Tank Dale, I mean, frees up Noah Brown. Boy, he tightrope that sideline. Barely stayed in bounds and fought off a defender right
1: inside the 10 to get to the goal line. It was Davis, and he stiff-armed him and to get across.
0: That got things rocking in the second half in a game in which C.J. threw for 470 yards and five tutties against the Buccaneers. That was one of them. That was a big one to Noah Brown. All right, let's move to number six. Let's go back to Jacksonville in week three. The Texans had fought their way through this one. It was 17-10. Andrew Beck had the kickoff return, made it 24-10. They kicked the field goal to go up 27-10. Jags scored. It's 27-17. You thought, okay, maybe the Jags are getting back in it. Well, C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell are about to shut the door. Third down, stadium rocking in Duval County. And C.J. says, you know what? Let's just go to Tank. 68 yards later, the Texans put the capper on a huge 34-17 to lead. And a 37-17 to 17 win. 68 yards. The touchdown from Stroud to Tank. It comes in at 6.
7: Stroud talking to his teammates. 3rd and 3 from the Houston
1: 32. CJ in the gun. One back boom. CJ gets the snap. Here comes the blitz.
7: CJ firing downfield to his right. And Tank has it at the 40, the 30, the 20, 10, 5. Touchdown. Tank Dell to the house. Wow. 68 yards. The rookie scores.
0: I think Andre said it best for all of us. Wow. What did we just see? Well, we saw a lot of that, and we're going to get to more of that uh, in just a little bit. Let's get to number five. Now, the passing moments of this year, you've already heard. Devin Singletary had one. Most of them were C.J. Stroud. From a quarterback perspective, they're almost all C.J. Stroud, except for one week against Tennessee. In two moments, made it. One at number five, down by seven. The Texans have fought their way back against the Titans. Needed to tie the game. They sat at the three-yard line. They got stuffed on first down, nothing on second down, third and three. You knew they were going to have to go for that. Two downs to get it. They only need one because Case Keenum would take his Houston and Texans legend to another level when he found Noah Brown, for this touchdown to tie the game in tennessee it's at number five
1: end zone to our right crowd revving it up
7: 10th play of the drive texans
2: Got to going get to the out
1: equalizer. The
7: 10 seconds on the play clock they get out of the huddle third and goal at the three keenan in the gun singletary in the backfield with him schultz motioning to the left keenan to throw Keenum scrambling to the right, throws to the end zone, caught, touchdown Houston, Noah Brown, three-yard TD pass. Yes, baby. Case Keenum, welcome back, touchdown pass, the first TD of the day. Noah Brown started this game hot, going to finish this game hot. All right, let's get to number four, and for number four,
0: we go to Cincinnati in one of the crazier games of the year. The Texans have pretty much dominated this game. We're up 27-17, had a third down at three, had run the ball all day, but decided to throw it. CJ threw an interception. The Bengals scored, made it 27-24. Texans couldn't get a first down. Bengals went down, kicked the field goal, made it 27-27. But the Texans had enough time. They had enough life. But they were running out of it because they got to a third and long and thought, my God, they're going to kick it right back to the Bengals, and they couldn't afford to do that. So at this point, it was time for two guys to step up and make plays on not consecutive downs, but one down on third down, and then two plays later, the big play. Well, they were both big plays. So I split this into 4A and 4B. First one, third down conversion, C.J. Stroud to Dalton Schultz. Second one, C.J. Stroud, to noah brown to get them in field goal range to beat the bengals 4a and 4b let's go
7: here's the snap stroud looking stroud firing downfield and caught by schultz at the 46 yard line the tackle made by cam taylor Britt. the 46 of the bengals 31 seconds to go now motion by Boone. CJ takes the snap, throws over the middle, hits Noah Brown, breaks a tackle, 30, get out, get Noah out. 25, Noah 20, and he's wrapped up time out, time at out. the 20-yard line. Timeout called with five time seconds out. to go. They get the ball to Brown, and they're ready to try a field goal.
0: Every single yard that Noah Brown fought for was important because Matt Amidola's 39-yard field goal just got inside the upright I'll never forget seeing that thing go through was absolutely awesome. Now, the Texans also had a game-winning field goal in overtime against the Tennessee Titans, and it wasn't looking good for a long time. They tied the game, as you heard earlier, with Noah Brown's touchdown. But then overtime, the drive they had went backwards 21 yards. So with a minute 48, minute 47, they got the ball back at the 20-yard line, and it was time for a little Case Keenum magic. He would find Motor for 41 yards, which helped set up a long Kymie Fairbairn field goal to win it at the gun. But at number three, Case Keenum finds Motor.
1: with A little scramble drill. This was awesome.
7: 143 to go in overtime.
1: Two timeouts for the Texans. Case Keenum, shotgun.
7: First down, Texans at the Houston 20. Motor in the backfield. Case puts the leg down. Keenum to throw. Keenum. Pocket collapsing, scrambles to the right. Keenum floats the ball downfield. He's got a man motor across the 50, 40 right sideline. Well into Titan territory, out of bounds at the 38-yard line. Big play to Singletary. Texas would beat
0: the Titans dressed as Oilers, and it was freaking awesome. Awesome. Just as awesome was against Arizona. We came back for a three-game stretch, had the Cardinals at home, and right before the half, cj stroud found tank dell 40 yards down the field and then there was a really cool moment so 2a is the touchdown 2b is well i'll just take a listen to what 2b is
1: offset eye cj drops back in the pocket looking
7: flushed out to the right cj comes it long downfield and caught touchdown! Wow. amazing catch tank dell a throw by Stroud and Dell with the reception jumps into the stands Goku's that's my guy unbelievable what a grab by Tank Dell I mean he extended every bit of his body to make that catch whoa extra point by Amendola up and good and the crowd is chanting MVP for CJ Stroud
0: now, unfortunately, with the injury, obviously, CJ not going to be in the MVP uh, discussion at the end of the year, but he certainly was at that moment. And he certainly was after play number one, the ultimate play of the season on offense tank Dell 10 seconds left against Tampa Bay. Could it be any other? No. Number one, C.J. to tank to win it against Tampa Bay.
7: Stroud in the gun, empty backfield after motion. First down to the Bucks, 15, 10 seconds to go. C.J. gets the snap. C.J. looking, throwing to the end zone. Yes! The yes! Houston yes! Takes the lead. Yes! And Del with the reception! Rock and roll! My goodness! There are flags on the field. Could be on the defense. What a comeback. Go Cougs. Let's go. Here's the call from Land Clark. Bring us some good news. After the play, unfortunately, I Defense number 54.
0: And that, my friends, is the perfect way to end the show. A big thanks to Christian Harris, Drew Doherty, Mark Vandermeer, D'Amico Ryans, Chris Myers, all of you for listening. We'll see you on Sunday, everyone. And as always, go Texans.